Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Leanne Bach with M Realty. Keep your finger on the pulse of Portland's hot real estate market. Call Leanne for unparalleled customer service and the highest level of marketing available. Make sure your position in the marketplace doesn't leave money on the table by visiting leannebach.com or call Leanne direct at 503-349-7890. By Chew Dining Club. Chew gives you rewards and intel from Portland's best restaurants. Just download the app right now and check in at participating establishments. Get the rewards you want, like free pizzas, drinks, extended happy hour deals, and more. Plus exclusive information about fun food events and invites too. Chew. And by PortlandFoodAndDrink.com. Portland's original food and drink news and review blog brought to you by the legendary food dude. Now featuring the huge outdoor dining list you'll need to eat, drink, and enjoy the Portland summer sunshine and fresh air. Check it out today at portlandfoodanddrink.com. You're listening to Right at the Fork. It's Portland's food scene podcast. I'm here along with my co-host, Chris Angelus of Portland Food Adventures. What up? And you are Court Johnson of kink.fm in the morning. That's right. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We don't uh, talk about this nearly enough, Chris. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter as Food Podcast PDX, as well as Instagram. And then you, yourself as an individual, Chris, you are Portland Food ADV on both Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and we love the Instagram. Yeah, you, you're big on the Instagram. Uh, and I'm the Court Johnson because some guy took just regular Court Johnson. Ooh. But you've got that on, on Instagram. I've got a, I've got both on Instagram oh. now. I've, I've, oh, good. I've done, Go to the I've done Court both. Johnson, the Court then. Johnson, and you'll get, to, you'll get to the right place. We'd also like you to uh, review the show when you have the chance to on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you're listening to this podcast, if there is a review mechanism, please do it. It helps out the podcast. And then, of course, head on over to rightatthefork.com and check out our great sponsors there. I'm going to actually say this is a good opportunity with our guest today, who's famous in Portland for his reviews, to actually review him. Oh, yeah. You're really reviewing the podcast, but review the episode. Absolutely. So when, once you've heard it, hop on, review the episode, tell us what you think about it. My old office is... Uh Right, there. right over there. Yeah. yeah, they've gutted the place. That was my Starbucks downstairs. Yeah. Oh, the one, one here. Yeah, yeah. When I would go to Starbucks, there's not a lot of great coffee around here. No. There. Are you live? We should be. I'm, I'm recording now. Okay. Good. Yeah, I'm recording. Now. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, you've got Starbucks and you got the Seattle's best just down a couple blocks, and then it's just kind of. Yeah. There Which isn't I, a lot here. I wanted to go for breakfast. I, sometimes I want to. There's not. A lot in the area to eat for breakfast. And there's yeah, there's kind of a food vacuum. There, mm. did, did you go to those carts that used to be uh, block up? The the there was like three or four of them when they were there. Yeah, I used to go to those, and then I was just gonna say there's a cart called Ole Latte, which is a a really nice coffee cart. It's about six blocks up the road. Here. Oh, okay, I go to them a fair amount. Yeah, this is a, a special edition of Right at the Fork. I can tell Chris like. Did you lose sleep over this last night, Chris? No, I no? actually had a good night's sleep. Okay, well I just like. Like, you're jazzed for this. You're chomping at the bit because I know you really want to talk to Michael today. Forget about sleep. I spent a little more time yesterday thinking about the interview than yeah. I normally, normally do. Would. Okay, that's 
that's what, that's what it was. Is that a slam on other guests? Not at all. I don't want anybody to take it. <laughs> all right, right, but okay. actually, you know, I think the the commentary we've gotten from a lot of people is that they like the conversational nature. Sure. And there have been times where I don't show up with questions, and some of those interviews are the best. They just flow. So yeah, I'm ready to flow. Cool. Well, um, we're really happy you're here, and, and we thank everybody for listening in. Usually I don't do a formal intro. I'm going to give you a formal intro today. I'm going to try something new. Awesome. Is that cool? Yeah. You, you good with this, Court? I'm, I'm waited, waiting with bated breath here. All right. I mean, if we're going to have a writer on, we got we got to do this right. We, we right. need a drop. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well... Michael Russell is the Oregonian slash Oregon Lives restaurant editor and chief critic. Born in Berkeley to Scottish immigrants, he graduated from the University of California, Santa Barbara, with a degree in comparative literature. Before moving to Portland, he lived in Taiwan, before that, New York City, and before that, Spain, where he spent a year studying at the University of Granada. He started at the Oregonian as a sports clerk in 2006 joining the breaking news staff as a cops reporter two years later, and was named Oregon's Rookie of the Year by the Society of Professional Journalists in 2010, in part for his food-focused news and feature stories. He became the newspaper's full-time restaurant critic in 2011. He loves reading, traveling, shooting pool, and his Boston Terrier, Buckaroo. We are honored. (laughs) to have Michael here with us in our little studio, and we are delighted that this interview prompted Mr. Russell to need to pen that exact bio <laughs> for the first time. Mr. Russell made news this week not only by naming Coquine as his choice for 2016 Restaurant of the Year, but also by making a careful decision to cease doing reviews using inconspicuousness as his critical research method. He no longer will be making reservations under assumed names. His image was made widely available this past Tuesday in his newspaper and on Oregon Live video. So from here on in, Michael has made the decision to be at the center of the Portland food world. He will join the community to celebrate and derive the benefits of being part of it. No longer will Michael Russell be the wizard behind the curtain. (laughs) And not, not that you haven't been in the center of it, but welcome to the food community, Michael. Yeah, I appreciate that. And uh, if I can just dive right into it, that that is really the big reason that I decided to stop reviewing uh, uh, restaurants anonymously. Is you know, I, there's value in being that outsider. There's value in being that guy who can go to a restaurant and experience it as uh, an, a regular Joe would. And some of that was slipping for me, especially at um, you know the very top. 50 or so restaurants in Oregon, uh, I was pretty well and truly made at those places. Uh, but, and that's another reason I'm coming out. But uh, the main thing for me was, hey, I'd like to go out and meet people like you, Chris, and and, and just have those conversations where uh, you can potentially learn more about food, which is a huge passion of mine. And, uh, you know, I've already said yes to uh, like uh, judging uh, the bite of Oregon, <laughs> their Iron Chef competition, and uh, and to do a chocolate tasting uh, next week. So All those things you haven't been isn't able to do. Isn't that kind of fun stuff? It's, I mean, I've, I've right? done a lot of it, and I'll tell you, <laughs> there's so many times, I, I can be an extrovert, and everybody would think of me as an extrovert, but I can be an introvert, and there are many times where I'm, I don't want to go do that. I don't feel like this, and sometimes I'm going solo most of the time, and I just, you don't feel like doing it. But when I'm there... I end up making connections and talking to people and learning things. 
And for you to have been doing what you've been doing for five years without the benefit of that, I think that personally, that far outweighs the 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 objectivity you're going to lose on service, pretty much. I mean, you're going to get the same food, I think, most of the time. Uh, they're going to, you know, that's an interesting aspect of it is when, when chefs bring out a amuse, that you didn't order, how do you deal with that? But... Um, but the service is probably going to be a little different for you. But I think that what you gain is huge. Well, you bring up a good point. Uh, you know, at the Oregonian, uh, I, you know, have uh, uh, the ability to expense my meals. So, I, you know, when I go out to eat and even after now that I'm not anonymous, I'm going to be paying my own way and then getting reimbursed for that. Uh, you know, sometimes you hear from uh, readers oh, that guy just wants free food or something like that. And, you know, yeah, actually I do get free food, but it's, it's via my, uh, the, you know, the largesse of the Oregonian, not via the restaurant. Part of your pay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's a nice benefit. And I know that for a lot of food blogs and, and, and other, you know, even traditional media, uh, people don't have that kind of expense account. And that's, uh, that's got to be a difficult minefield for them. I'm lucky enough to be able to expense those things. I think it that avoids the appearance of, you know, me being in the pocket of a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, no, you don't want to have that happen. I'm curious, after reading your, your bio that you sent, and thank you for doing that. Yeah, man, it sounds so pretentious now that you realize. I, I want a second draft on that, you know. Well, my parents did come from Scotland, though. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think people I, know did that. Did it sound but. pretentious to you, Court? No, I, that for, I, for me, it makes me understand who you are, where you've come. That was good. That was great. It's, it was a good standard bio. Nice job. Thanks, it wasn't thanks, too Court. long. No. It, it, was, it was nicely edited. Good yeah. job. <laughs> but, I, I was, but one thing that, was, uh, that I noticed from it is there isn't a lot of food. In the back, in your background, that yeah. you that you mentioned anyway. So oh, is there yeah, something you didn't mention there? What 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 are your your what's your cred on being a food credit critic? I mean, right off the bat, I would say I'm a journalist first and, you know, a uh, food lover, you know, uh, food fans uh, second, probably. I mean, journalism was was my first love. And you saw getting into the Oregonian, I was in the sports department, starting by calling coaches late at night on Friday to get the scores for High school football stuff? games. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. At the at the. You know, delivering newspapers to top editors, uh, the Bulldog Edition. You know, I was I was definitely the in the mailroom essentially, in, including even delivering mail. Uh, but yeah, there's food stuff in my background. I grew up uh, in the East Bay in Berkeley, and one, my first job was cooking. Um, I actually cooked at a a restaurant in Oakland that was uh, unbeknownst to me. A uh, chef by the name of John Gorham was cooking uh, <laughs> one door down. Uh, we didn't, we never met while I was there, but uh, uh, I was at a diner. He was at a nice Mediterranean restaurant. And uh, do you remember his? Did, did did you eat it and did it stick with you? I didn't have that kind of money back then. I mean, I was pretty young, and <laughs> I was just got a job to stay out of trouble. But uh, I I cooked uh, my way through college. I never really got to the level of the the chefs that I cover. And I think I approach my restaurant reviews more um, from the consumer side of things than, you know, uh, you know, you have some people who were former chefs who might approach it as a, as a, as an expert on that side. So um, for me, it's more in, traditionally, it's been about what are you going to experience reader if you go to this place? Like, I'm like that too. And I'll tell you what's important to me. And I've noticed as I've gotten a little older, I don't know if that's the fun, the, it's a function of that, but 
uh, for me, it's all about the overall experience, the vibe of the restaurant, the time that I have. So I can have a better time depending on who I'm with and have a better impression of the restaurant than I might have. But the memory of just the, the night, the experience, sticks with me longer than actual dishes. And I've had this discussion with my friend Gary the foodie because he remembers everything. And, he, and he'll say, what did you have? And it could have been a month ago. And I, I just remember I love the meal. And so is that the same for you? As to, and, or, or when you're reviewing, how much is, what percentage of it is the food and what percentage is the whole overall experience? That's a really quick Great, great question. I mean, you like to pretend like food is the only thing on your mind and you're like rating this against some objective scale, but that's, you know, pretty ridiculous on its face. It's your palate. It's It's my palate. And if you're having a good time, food tends to taste better. Um, I noticed that recently, um, you know, uh, at Castagna, uh, which... um, if I can give a little plug for our restaurant guide, which came out last week, I, I moved them from uh, my fourth, uh, uh, my of uh, uh, my number four restaurant in Portland. I moved them up to number two. Now, a lot of big time foodies in town will say they were already number two, or maybe they were already number one. But uh, for me, one of the things that really bumped them up, in my opinion, was going there on a Saturday night. My wife and I showed up at about 7:45, and the room was packed. Um, and I don't know if that was a fluke or, you know, what, but sometimes the room at Castagna can feel cold and uh, a little bit sterile. And when it was filled with happy people, uh, you know, enjoying their meals, the service there is excellent. The food is, you know, in terms of technique, impeccable. it's second to none. It's impeccable. And uh, having that, that whole package come together it was just sort of a revelation for me. Um, and, of course, when I'm making that guide, I'm like, my number one decision is where am I recommending? You know, where do I recommend our readers of the Oregonian Oregon Live to go to eat? And if a place feels cold or sterile, maybe I don't want to send them there. But you know, that complete package rose them up to number two on my list, and they, I thought about them for number one too. I would imagine that the the top ten are easier to do. I mean, it's not you know you got there's a lot of writing on it. You wield a lot of power, and we'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. But the top 10 is easier to do. But when you get into the 40s and 50s and you got to decide whether someone's 44 or 73 <laughs> and, and you move people around, I, I don't know how you do that because I wrote you the, yep. the other, yesterday, said I've judged contests before. The top five are generally pretty easy. The worst five are pretty <laughs> easy. But the, the ones in the middle are hard to you categorize, n- n- give them a numerical um, rating. Um, with yours, you're just going up to 101, so yeah. it's it's infinity. So everybody <laughs> after the top 10 is in the middle. Uh-huh. So uh, well, how do you yeah. how do you decide the difference between 40 and 58? Yeah, it's a great question, and I'm just really like looking at uh, uh, the restaurants. Uh, I have a spreadsheet, <laughs> and I'm looking at them, and I'm saying, would I recommend uh, restaurant X over restaurant Y? And if the answer is yes, I moved it move it up one spot. And I just play with that for a few days. Now, it's a little bit easier this year because I did it last year and I put a lot of thought into the ranking. So this year it was more like, ooh, I had a really bad meal at this place. Uh, they're going to have to fall a few spots. How far are they going to fall? You know, And taking into account all the meals that I've had at a place, 
one bad one isn't going to totally sink them, but you know, if it's bad enough, maybe it'll drop them twenty or thirty spots. In that spot, and do you think that's going to affect them in the long run? I don't think. I don't think anybody should be upset that they're at number sixty-three no, because I, that if again, you're on the list, you should be happy, right? I think being on the on the list, of course, being in the top ten and being Le Pigeon is probably a pretty good. Yeah, thing. that that that's a restaurant that's ten years old and is still killing it. And I actually ate there last night, and uh, Gabriel Rucker, uh, who's the chef there, but has been sort of splitting his time between Little Bird downtown and, and Le Pigeon is back in the kitchen uh, cooking and, and doing recipe development. And holy, holy wow. Like, if I you thought that- You can swear on the podcast. Holy but, shit. If yeah. I thought that restaurant- I, I mean, kind of like holy wow. That's, holy, holy, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no. By, by golly. <laughs> uh, G. Willikers, guys. Uh, no, you know, it was funny because uh, I was like, if they weren't number one last month, they certainly are now because- what he's doing there was just blowing my mind. I just had a few quick dishes, and uh, there was a. Uh, can I can I describe a few for you yeah, guys? Yeah, sure. Uh, so there was. I'm really still excited about this meal. Actually, uh, it was exhilarating. Um, there was a, uh, a, a. You know, they always have a, a foie gras dish, which is you know maybe ethically a little bit. Uh, 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 you know, not everyone's for it, but if you're gonna eat it, you have to do it at Le Pigeon because they know what they're doing with uh, Chinese sausage, and he made a. A banana miso with bacon and bourbon and served it with a little banana relish. And uh, uh, that was crazy. He had a chow mein with a pork heart uh, teriyaki and lobster mushrooms that was insanely good. I always want to know what (laughs) it's like. Okay, we got some pork hearts. What what are we going to do with this mega teriyaki? And I always want to know how how chefs... I'm still wrapping my head around the uh, banana relish. (laughs) <laughs> and does it describe that banana relish? Uh, what is what was that? Just just little 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 uh, minced banana to serve with this crazy banana miso, which was just like, I think I I, I heard him say that um, he uh, uh, he suggested it to uh, one of his cooks on the line, a young guy, and he was like, "What about banana miso?" And the guy was like, "No, that's too weird." And he was like, "All right, we're definitely doing it." <laughs> Uh, and there was a little uh, pigeon leg, deep fried and served uh, like oh, a churro. Signature there. <laughs> deep fried pigeon leg with uh, uh, churro spices that were actually ground up cinnamon toast crunch. Wow. And this was like, uh, there was another dish, uh, r- rabbit chorizo with uh, green gazpacho with mezcal in it that hadn't even been cooked off. So you get this like insane vegetal quality of the mezcal and this super refreshing uh, uh, gazpacho. That was awesome. Okay, I've gone on long enough on that meal. Did you it make was the, awesome. Did you make that reservation under Michael Russell? No, you know, well, that's the thing. I'm prop, I don't know if I will do that or not because a lot of times I just walk in anyway. Uh, and in that case, I just walked in. But, right. you know, I've been writing. sit at the counter? So you walked in and sat, sat at the counter? They were able to squeeze us into a table as long as we got out within 45 minutes. And, you know, they had a reservation coming at 6.45 or something. And it was easy because we just did three wow. dishes. So you had an incredible experience in It was like minutes. a, you know, a pit stop in the Indy 500. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that hats, was us eating. Hats off to uh, Chef Rucker, as usual. Yeah. But that... That that begs the question, and yep. I think a lot of people don't understand this. You explain it, but you know, not a lot of people read and get it. Um, so your real restaurant of the year, and this is no slight to Coquine at all. Yep. I love Coquine. We did the opening dinner at Coquine. It was nice. beautiful. I've been back, uh, and I love this I, for the same reasons. Everything you wrote about it, and people should read that, uh, that it was restaurant of the year and, and why. But 
your restaurant of the year is really your choice to showcase something that people should experience. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but from what, as I understand it, from what you wrote, what people should experience and represents um, really the mindset of Portland in 2016, or what what is the newest the newest best thing. It usually is something new, but your real restaurant of the year the last two years has been Le Pigeon. Well, we're trying to do our best to sort of differentiate that. We'd never ranked our restaurants in the restaurant guide before last year. Um, and m- the editor of the Oregonian, uh, Mark Catches, and uh, my boss, Michelle Nicolosi, suggested that I give it a try. I said, no way. That's impossible. And then I tried it, and it worked. And I think it's pretty good. Um, so now we have this best restaurant, which is number one, and it's Le Pigeon. It's been Le Pigeon two years in a row. Uh, but we also, every year for the past... 20 plus years have done a restaurant of the year. It's a restaurant that sort of defines the year in dining. So in the case of our number one restaurant, that's Le Pigeon. The restaurant that to me defined the year in dining uh, was Coquine, which uh, started as a pop-up. We have uh, a chef, uh, Katie Millard, who'd worked in France and San Francisco and moved here. It's a neighborhood restaurant that defies expectations. It's uh, overachieving is the word that everybody uses, and, and it's very, very accurate. Um, so that our restaurant of the year is typically a restaurant that uh, we typically don't repeat that honor. Um, we we have once in the case of Castagna, and that was only after they'd made a radical shift from sort of a farm-to-table rustic uh, Northwest bistro into this sort of modernist, progressive restaurant that it is right now. Uh, so and and those awards were given ten years apart, two thousand and two thousand and ten. So uh, those are distinct awards. I think long term we're probably gonna separate them more in time. Right now, uh, just historically, the our, our big bulk block of small updated reviews uh, and, and our restaurant of the year have always gone together. I think next year we'll probably push our restaurant of the year to some other time and give it its own uh, place of distinction uh, just to avoid that confusion. Are you right, when you're writing your reviews, are you writing it to your Oregonian audience or is it to anyone? I, I don't know. I'd like to ask Karen Brooks that question too. Are you writing it? Is she writing to Portland Monthly's audience? So, and uh, you know, Willamette Week is a whole nother thing. Um, so, are you mindful of I, my perception as your audience is not as in tune as like the Eater audience? Those people are all keeping up with what's fresh and new, and, and everybody knows what's going on. Oregonian, not so much. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, there's the. There's a sense for me that, you know, we are the biggest media organization in the state by a factor of four. And we want to, you know, provide as general of an appeal to that audience as we possibly can. So we're like, you know, I actually I'm wearing my Barley Brown's uh, swag today, but my wife and I drove out to Eastern Oregon to have a beer at Barley Brown's and and uh, enjoy that scene. And uh, I saw the Oregonian like in the in the stand there, you know, in the yellow box. And I was like, oh man, like, you know, what if someone picks up that newspaper and is reading, like how inside baseball can I be? And I don't wanna be like so broad that it turns off foodies, you know? You have to walk that line. I think every critic, uh, including Portland Monthly and Willamette Week, uh, they sort of walk that line between, you know, explaining things or not explaining things like how much context do you give do you how much do you assume readers know and i mean as i the longer i do this the more i think given that our newspapers are 
you know, being delivered to Newport on the coast and, you know, Baker City. Like, I owe it to the readers there, even if they're a small number, to be, you know, to to help them if they're going to pick up a review and read it. They're not going to be like, what is this like? What language is this written in, you know? Well, I also think in Oregon, I've always said that since I've moved here, I've never felt a way about a state that I feel about Oregon, that I've, where I've lived. And in Oregon, the coast is, is just is, a, is an extension of Portland. That doesn't, that's not a slight to the coast. They have their own identity. Mm-hmm. But everybody in Portland, not everybody, but most people, venture out to the coast, and that's part of their Oregon experience. It's, so I think that's a little different than anywhere else, so it's a good idea. I'd love to help you cover the coast. I spent Ooh. some time right. out there. And we'll talk after. That's the other question is how you much know, input do you... Do you know, we, you and me uh, uh, both have something in common. We both love Manzanita. I oh, see yeah. your Instagrams. Uh, my wife and I go out there all the time. I love Manzanita, and I think the coast. I think there's, you know, my escape out there. Not to go into myself, but has helped me lose weight. I'm away from the Portland food scene uh, the days that I'm not here, uh, and there's not as much to eat. I mean, I like Marzano's pizza. That's about uh-huh. that's my favorite <laughs> thing out there. And boy, there's another discussion. Pizza. Blackbird does a nice job. Yeah, Shout I have a Blackbird. story about that. I lived above Blackbird. Oh, did you? Yeah, so <laughs> you I, know I've never shared that on the podcast, <laughs> no. and I probably have to probably obtain legal should've. counsel. Yeah. Uh, should I? But I, my name is on, if you walk in on the Kickstarter, my name oh, is nice. on the plaque there. Yeah, I feel like but, we shouldn't be talking about Manzanita. It's almost like the, the secret, secret jewel of oh, yeah. well, the coast. Too, too late. Too late. Now, they're, mi- it, they're migrating down. If First it was Cannon Beach, and now they're all going a little further south. south of I, I wanna, Manzanita then? Oh, to, uh, Rockaway. You think Rockaway's and, oh, oh, the we, next Manzanita? Wheeler. Wheeler's really cool. Wheeler, okay. And uh, there's a little restaurant that just opened on the, on the uh, Halem River, which is kind of cool. Uh, uh, God, I'll give her a shout-out. Kendra's. Um, just a cute little place. Mm-hmm. Good burger. But um, but I, I don't mind people going out there because now I have my, my Instagram. The stuff you see on Instagram is available in the gift shop. Oh. So all the Portlanders <laughs> can come out and buy my uh, greeting go. cards. He'll let that secret out of that. <laughs> I'm curious to know, Michael, as, as somebody who, uh, who was an anonymous reviewer before, how hard was that in today's digital world with social media, Facebook, Twitter to actually... Because uh, Chris and I were having this conversation before you came in because I was trying to wrap my head around this because my... My experience with food reviewers is basically what I've seen portrayed in movies and TV shows and Ratatouille <laughs> is that is that, uh, you know, like the the chef or the owner of the restaurant comes in and is like, all right, guys, I just got word that the reviewer is coming in today. So let's give it that extra shot. And they come in and they screw something up and they get a bad review. That's that's my experience with it. <laughs> and then I started thinking, I'm like, how do you stay anonymous in today's social media world? But like, great question. Yeah. How did you great do it? Question. Well, you know. That's funny that you bring up Ratatouille. I feel like that uh, Anton Ego, the the, the villain uh, in that movie, is like probably everyone's uh, idea of vision it. of a yeah, restaurant critic. I, exactly, you know, like uh, like so thin that he probably never really eats food. He probably doesn't even enjoy food. He just likes to bring people down. Um, and you know, I think that's sort of the popular conception of the critic, uh, no matter what the field. Like in, in, if you ever saw the movie Birdman, which won the Oscar right. uh, last mm-hmm. year, the, yeah. there's this New York Times critic who's just like, you know, unbelievably horrible person. Yeah, uh, she's just like, I'm gonna destroy you. <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't think most critics feel that way. I think uh, you know, we see ourselves probably, uh, you know, 
trying to be on the side of the the consumer, the people going out to eat, uh, you know, for the most part. But I'm also mindful of the fact that, uh, you know, the people that open these restaurants, um, and I'm going to answer your social media question in a second, but the people that own these restaurants, this is like the definition of small business in Portland. You know, a lot of these, like in Coquine, they're opening their restaurant with their savings and, you know, maybe hitting up friends or, or family for a little bit. They're going to Goodwill to get the china that they're serving uh, their lunch on, uh, service on. Yeah, It's like you have to be aware of that. And, you know, if I were the movie critic for the Oregonian, I would be, you know, a lot more willing to lob giant gnarly grenades right into anything I didn't like, even just a little bit. But in this town... Even when I was not known to everybody, uh, you know, my phone number was still on my reviews. My email was out there. So, you know, a chef could call me up and, and tear me a new one if they didn't like what I'd written. Yeah. Um, and, and it probably happened once or twice, I would imagine. Yeah, once or twice. Once or twice. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, le- less so now. I think I'm, I've, I walk a pretty nice line of, of being, you know, fair uh, and, and balanced. I'll call something out if I don't like it. But um, to, to, to answer your question about social media, I think that's something I thought a lot about and wrote about in an essay about why I decided to, uh, to ditch my anonymity. And I think it's interesting. I don't, I don't really know that there will ever, I don't know that the next generation of food writers will ever have the opportunity to be anonymous. I was in a really weird uh, 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 position where I um, had been writing features. I had won this you know, award, uh, you know, for my feature writing. Uh, I was, and a lot of those were for food features. So I was like in the game. I was, uh, uh, I had chops, but my photo wasn't out there. I wasn't really big on Facebook and I had enough lead time before taking the job that I was able to, uh, take down, uh, to, to set my privacy settings on Facebook to, you know, red alert and to take down photos that were out there. There were, there were one or two. We actually, uh, some website had a photo of me and we had a lawyer ask him to take it down. So that happened before I, uh, I even, uh, I even started the job full time. And I just don't know that there's any, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, under 30 and I'm, I'm 35, um, FYI, uh, if you're under 30, I just don't think you are going to be able to do that because you just live your life online. Oh yeah. I mean, no, everybody I watch, does. I watch my know? daughters, even at the young age of 11 and eight, like my 11-year-old has an Instagram account. I'm just like, this is just a, a world that I will never comprehend that like everything is shared. Like uh-huh. everything. Well, I feel that way and I'm quite a bit older than your daughter or yeah. Michael. I, I f- if someone wants to know my life, yeah. it's there. Right. And you, I've just kind of made that decision and, you know, try to live a good life I'm not embarrassed about, I yeah. suppose. But, um, yeah, that's the way it's going to be from here on in. There are certain people I know, you can't find them online. I, I commend them for being able to do that. Um, well, we had that conversation with Trace Shannon from Voodoo Donuts, who still has a typewriter and a flip phone. Right. <laughs> that was, he whipped up that flip phone. I was like, holy cow, they exist. Yeah. So uh, Trace. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's amazing. Yeah, he, well, we just did a podcast. It's, it, it will stream after this, so oh, okay. a couple of weeks after this one. Oh, so. man, I have to yeah. open for that guy? That's yeah. rough. Um, He's awesome. So um, the... When, how long did it take you to go through the process to decide to out yourself? Well, how long how, how long ago did you uh, start well, thinking about it? You know, I would say about two years. 
<laughs> I mean, really that long? We had a our, our we had a publisher at the Oregonian named Chris Anderson, and he got it in his head that he wanted me to do events, to speak at events, to do judging at competitions, and all this stuff that a lot of food promotion. For, yeah, for. exactly. It's promotion for the Oregonian. And I just felt at the time that you know I was still able to review anonymously enough that we were giving up too much because um, no, there's no one else in Portland who uh, who was attempting anonymity. I thought it was added value to my reviews and I just wasn't willing to give that up for, uh, you know, the idea of being able to judge a chili cook off or something like that for, you know. So as time has gone on, I've, you know, met more people just as life goes on you know this is a pretty small town you go to a party you go to a friend's wedding and some you know paella famous paella cook is cooking the thing and like you know you just meet people and they figure out who you are and 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 that had been happening what'd you tell them you did when you got when you were in a position to uh i didn't lie i never lied i just i just tell people what i did i mean well that's not true i lied a few times <laughs> yeah, yeah who were you um I don't want to put anybody on blast, but uh, okay. I was at Expatriate once. Uh, I'm sorry to the owner, Kyle Webster, for sharing the story. But I was at uh, Expatriate, and uh, I uh, didn't have enough cash to pay with cash, which was my usual method. So I put down my uh, my actual credit card with my actual name. And he came back to my table and said... Uh, Oh, that's so funny! You have the same name as uh, as the restaurant critic for the Oregonian. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that's was he weird. being flip? That's weird." Do you think he was no, being flip? No, I don't. Or? I don't know. He might have been. He might have been. I'll, I'll give him that out. He might have been. Uh, he might have been teasing me. But. I I know him a little bit. I have a feeling that he was he was teasing. <laughs> and oh then, of God. course, he ran across the street immediately <laughs> to know me. Yeah. Well, and by the way, let me just give a little shout out to uh, Beast right now because my meal at Beast was really solid. And I had written a couple of years ago that I thought that they were kind of treading water um, and had sort of become maybe not essential to the Portland restaurant scene. Um, and, you know, I, I couch that with a lot of caveats because I think that restaurant's amazing. But they're making some changes right now. Um, and I noticed them when I was there and they've since had a little bit of a uh, – I've seen some bloggers eating there and sort of co commenting on the same thing. But uh, – I like what they're doing. They, there's a new sous chef named Jake. I'm going to, I want to say Stevens. I, I apologize if I'm getting your name wrong, but uh, uh, he's doing some cool stuff and, and, and good on Nomi for, uh, for, for, for pushing that restaurant to evolve um, almost 10 years in. It's hard to do over yeah. time. If you haven't been in a while or, or you, I or haven't you didn't been go in a while. I've been to Expatriate a couple of times. But no. Yeah, I just, I just think that they're shaking things up a, just a little bit. It's not like a radical change, but, um, you know, like just their, they blew up that famous charcuterie board, which was like a, a clock with a little right. little bite mm -hmm. at each hour. And uh, they've blown that up and moved portions of it to different places. You still get the uh, the the foie gras bonbon with the uh, sauterne gelée, but I think that comes at the end, if I'm remembering my meal correct. So you alluded to this before, mm -hmm. um, and you were talking about. Uh, the, the fact that they're all small businesses and, and you, you don't want to lob grenades. Um, but how does it feel that you really had so much power or have, I shouldn't say have, you have so much power that if you write a terrible review, you are affecting somebody's income. Yeah. Yeah. I take that very seriously. And, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I've never taken that lightly. I mean, even from the very start. And uh, sometimes, if sometimes if you think that there's a business, there's a there's a restaurant that's sort of going in the wrong direction or not doing, you know, not doing right by its customers, you have to call it out. I mean, that's part of the job. Um, do you ever you you do before you review a restaurant? There are multiple visits. Yep. Have you ever gotten in touch with the chef and said, "Listen, I just want you to know this yes. is a problem." Yeah. And I'll be back. You don't have to say you'll be back, but you you imply you'll be back. Um, and, yeah. And then and either seen the change or not. But if you do, you do that as part of your course of reviewing. Yeah, I do, and I don't. You know, there have been a couple of times where I haven't, so I can't say that I do it every time. Uh, that's a hard email to send uh, just to say, hey, you know, I didn't love what you guys are doing and I'm going to write about it. But I think it's also something that uh, you have to do. And I regret the times that I haven't done it. But, you know, more recently uh, I, I have and, you know, there, I, I've written a few re- negative reviews in the past year where I've just sent a little email ahead of time and say, hey, just a heads up, you know, I went three times. I didn't really love what I was seeing there. Here are the things that I didn't like, and my review is coming out next week. So, FYI, so, and that does that pain you to do? So here's what I here's what I think. Yeah, obviously negative reviews get more press from other press, and they're good for the they're good for your media. They're good for the Oregonian for you to write a negative review. Is there yeah. any pressure well, to not be so positive and happy about? There's, uh, about Portland? There's there's zero pressure from my management or from readers. Uh, you know, sometimes you do hear things like, uh, oh, they never write negative reviews anymore. And then you're like, well, actually, I wrote this. You know, you want to point them to the thing. But, you know, that, that might be the only pressure, almost like a peer pressure, like, you know. And I'm being too nice to everyone. Do you but, resist you it? Know, I, I would think it would be it. tough to, it would be hard, uh, you get enough of it. And now you're going to get a little more because yeah. people are going to be able to say, talk to you and yeah. converse with you about it. I'm back on Facebook. so yeah, How's <laughs> that for you? It's terrible. God, that place <laughs> is the worst. I, I, you're back on Facebook, but you got your picture in the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> and my dog's picture. <laughs> oh, well, keep it up, man. I'm my, just plugging my dog. I, I plug my dog all the time. Yeah. And you, it's, Instagram famous. You will... Um, You'll lose people, but I you gain you know people love it. I for me, I'm just sharing from my heart. So you you, you don't have to plan your Facebook <laughs> presence. It is it is one's life. Hey Chris, right now might be a great opportunity to stop and showcase one of Right at the Fork's biggest sponsors, Leanne Bach of M Realty. Yeah, she's developed some sharp skills over her 15 years to get you the most from selling or buying your home. But what's really cool is that Leanne lives within the Portland food community and loves it. Her partner, Ryan, owns one of Portland's best distilleries, Aria Gin. Leanne is an avid listener of this podcast, and so if working with someone who inherently understands your needs in the industry, or you're someone who wants to access it and devour it, Leanne Bach of M Realty is your gal. We want to thank Leanne for sponsoring Right at the Fork and becoming an important part of showcasing the best we have in this great food city of Portland, Oregon. So you can visit her online. It's leannebach.com. That's Bach with an H. Or you can find her info online at writeatthefork.com. What's your most painful review ever? Good question. Painful to write or painful for the person who had to well, read Well, I it? would think that it would be pretty much the same thing that they would cover. You you must have in your mind the, the top five worst reviews that you, or restaurants that you've reviewed 
in terms of they were they were falling short well oddly enough it's actually easier to write negative reviews and super positive reviews those are the ones that just flow from your finger straight into you know the google doc or whatever it's the uh it's the it's the middle of the road restaurants is the ones where you want to like a place and they're just doing something mediocre that those are really hard to write. Like that's the line you're walking in. And those are the ones where, uh, you know, I go for long walks at night and I talk to my wife about it and she's like, uh, God, would you just shut up about that restaurant? Does she have impact on your reviews? Oh, man. Yeah. You know, and what does spouse she do? always has an impact. I, I try to resist it, but. If she doesn't like something, that that's that's tough. I think in a marriage, that's a very key thing. It, it, but it's what's lucky is uh, is is my wife is probably more willing to experiment, more uh, you know, open to uh, new experiences that, uh, even than I am, and I, I'll eat anything. Uh, once so <laughs> do you, is she your general dining companion for your reviews do you go out with other people yourself I mix it up uh, I'll probably go with her one, at least once to every restaurant but I also try to put together a, a group of friends to go and you know if it's a cuisine or a style of cooking that I'm not familiar with and I can bring along a friend who maybe knows something about that cuisine I'll try to do that too and are do you feel uh, familiar with a lot of different cuisines because as we go here, you know, we there are certain we're lacking in a few areas. Yep. But um, you know, you can't possibly you aren't a chef. Dim sum. You were a cook. <laughs> dim sum. Yeah, I'd like to see good dim sum in this town. I mean, we have okay dim sum, uh, but I'd like to see great dim sum. I, uh, there are a lot of cuisines that I do not know as much as I should, but I have the. Maybe my biggest skill is having been having traveled quite a bit before uh, settling in Portland. You know, you said in my bio I lived in Taipei, Taiwan for a year. And because my job didn't give me a proper visa, I had to travel every two months um, outside of the country to renew my sort of like two month uh, uh, visitor's visa. So I ended up going to Thailand, to uh, 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 to the Philippines, to um, uh, Hong Kong several times. Uh, my wife and I have gone to Japan and to Korea in recent years. Uh, I've traveled in Mexico quite a bit. Um, South America is next on my list. So those kinds of things, I feel like those are the experience that, experiences that are like really, really invaluable. Does it make you an expert though? I mean, if you're just going through, you know, I've eaten in different countries. I don't feel like I'm an expert on their cuisine or that I... I don't know if it's expert. I, that's not the word I would use. But, you know, being familiar with something is a, is a bonus. Okay. Um, so with your anonymity gone now... Mm -hmm. And, and you cited this in mm -hmm. your article that you're going to be focusing more on food and a little less on service. That's just natural. Um, yet in Portland, I think one of the one of the beefs people have or, or that's brought up, and I don't always feel it, but mm. that is the service is the service is lacking. So, yeah, and I that's part of the experience. I disagree with that. Yeah, I I, I don't necessarily. I, yeah. I haven't had a lot of bad service experiences. Me it's yeah. really good services when you don't notice it. Yeah. And and when someone's overly friendly and nice and spending too much time with you, sometimes you're like, just back off, let me go. That's too good service. I took one bite of my meal. You have to ask how it is. <laughs> exactly. And I also find it interesting, the East Coast versus the West Coast. Is, how's that tasting? That's never said in an East Coast restaurant. It's, I think, how's your uh, meal? You know, there's, there's this like, uh, you know, there's, an, there's a level of service that... Uh, 
restaurants that are at the three Michelin star level attempt, you know, where everything is perfect and you never have to think about your, you know, water being refilled or your napkin being replaced if you drop it on the floor. It all just happens automatically. And, you know, I how much can I swear on this podcast? As much as you okay. want. I, I just don't think that Portlanders really give a fuck about that kind of service. You know, we, you know, if you really like break that down into what it means, it, it it's that word server. Like, you know, it's so close to servant. Someone's like serving you. That means you're like the, the Lord and they're the ones who are like catering to your every whim. And like, you know, there's going to be an element of that because they're literally bringing you food and bringing you whatever. And they're, 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 you know, catering to your whim. But, you know, I think there's been a radical shift nationwide away from that kind of, you know, supreme fine dining model. And I don't think that, uh, you know, for Portlanders, I think it's a lot more important that, you know, people are friendly, that they're there when you need them, and that they know something about the food that they're serving. And when you judge service by that, those three categories, Portland is awesome. And there's so many really kick-ass servers in this town whose food knowledge is you know, freaking phenomenal, you know, uh, and absolute kudos to them. There's, there's servers in this town who are, you know, growing their own vegetables and for the salad that they're serving you or, you know, who are just so passionate about food, uh, in all its different ways. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that, that slight to Portland service, it's just about expectations. Uh, you know, if people expect people to be hitting the, like, hundred things that Danny Meyer says a perfect server should hit, they're probably going to be disappointed. But you know what? Relax. Yeah, and that's what you're supposed to do while you're dining. Yeah. Uh, this is going really fast, and it's bumming me out. I would like to be able to spend more time. I want to make sure to get this question in, because, yeah. um, and, and we'll get some, we'll get, we're not done, but um, <laughs> if you had to program uh, a day for someone in Portland uh, so that they got the full Portland experience, what would their day look like? Yeah, you know, I actually do that a lot for for other restaurant critics visiting town, like um, Tom Sitsima, the post guy who was here for his best food cities roundup. And I'm not talking about best food. I'm yeah, talking yeah. About they, they leave ultimate with the, Portland. Ult- they know Portland, and one day they're gonna go. Oh, that's what Portland's all about. Um, man, you know, everybody says this, so I'm sorry for repeating what other people say, including myself. No, there's a reason they say it. You got to start at the Portland Farmers Market. You got to start on Saturday because that is a jewel. That's like you know everything you want to know about Portland and food, uh, specifically is there. I mean, obviously, uh, when people visit me, I take them to Powell's Books. Can I veer off of food for this sure. answer? Yeah, Powell's Books. I mean, the jewel of Portland is being so close to the gorge, and you got to go for a hike. So, I'd start the day at a farmers market. I'd pick up a little picnic. I'd drive into the gorge, probably hike. Uh, um, I'm just saying Multnomah Falls because it's the first one to come to my head, but there's there's a dozen hikes that are great. Um, maybe come back, go to Powell's Books, go to a show, you know. <laughs> That's a perfect night. And if you can eat at one of my top 101 restaurants, you're going to eat very well. Any one of them, you'll you'll set them Absolutely, loose. Absolutely, man. I don't. There's there's not a restaurant in there that's a, um, you know, that's a that's a dud. Yeah, no, they're all good, but yeah. I'm, but which one would would you only find in Portland? Oh my God! I mean, I I know what, that what I would what comes to mind for me, um, yeah. and there are a lot of great restaurants I'd love yeah. to mention, but I would say Ned Ludd right at the top of that list. Very for Portland. you're only going to find that in Portland. Mm-hmm. That's a great choice. Uh, I mean, 
for me, I wouldn't have put Le Pigeon at number one if I didn't think they were the best restaurant. Right. That too. That the creativity that too. matched with fantastic flavor is uh, pretty unmatched. So you can only find uh, one Gabriel Rucker, and he's uh, and on East Burnside. We're, we're really lucky, and you can sometimes find him somewhere else too. You know, we're, he's we're, really we're, focused on. Uh, I think he. I think he spends a couple mornings at Little Bird, but he's really focused on cooking at uh, Pigeon now. And I know that's so it was always his. Favorite thing to do, too. Man, so I know. I'm glad he's back. Yeah, that's I cool. I mean, Andrew Mace did a great job, too, so shout out to him. So um, how much longer do you want to do this for a living? It's, it's an interesting living. And, it's a great uh, question. It's, it's a hard thing, I would imagine, to give up. The thing that would probably push me away from it is the nights, working nights, um, because I now edit a small staff, and I'm sort of a you know deputy oh. editor in our arts and culture team. Uh, so I have responsibilities to sort of mentor young reporters and uh, to do line editing on stories and uh, teach people things. And so I try to be in the office from, you know, nine to five uh, every day. So the thing that would push me away was just, uh, you know, because I still go out at night to one or two restaurants uh, three or four nights a week. And, you know, there might come a time where I'm kind of grow sick of those hours and you know want to spend like, have some more personal time or, or or be at home more and you know i guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it how many uh it's a great job though <laughs> yeah Man, no don't, don't get me wrong how many uh visits do you generally do for your reviews i do three visits which is pretty pretty old school i think most of the new you know all weekly approach would probably be two um and i think you know maybe they're right to do it that way in britain the uh the really snarky critics only go once. So, so listen, there are so many things we could have asked you, yeah. and we wish we had more time. We have limited time, unfortunately. We'd love to have you back. We hope you will. I'm not going to put you on the spot right now and ask you if you will, but we really hope you'll come back and join us and maybe do a couple times a year at least. Uh, but there's so many things, and I feel like uh, on behalf of all of the Portland food community, all the chefs that I know, everybody, there's a there's there was a responsibility to ask you the right questions. I hope we asked you enough. Is there anything that you wanted to say that uh, we didn't get to? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm out there now. I have a a, a, a Facebook page. You can you can friend me if that's what it's called. <laughs> I feel like I'm so out of it. Uh, obviously, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My email's readily available. Um, and M, what are you? M, on? M Russell at Oregonian.com. I'm TDM Russell everywhere else. T-D-M-R-U-S-S-E-L-L at Twitter, wherever. But, you know, if you're a chef or, you know, just in the food community and you want to meet me and, you know, find out more about me, please feel free to drop me a line. I'm, uh, I'm you know, I'm out there now. So, hey. Can someone, um, if they, I'm sure there are a lot of restaurants that would love to have you come in and review yep. them. How does, how does that, do you, do, are you influenced by lobbying or how do you choose where you're going to go? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it's just uh, for me, it's like, what's up next? You know, what's exciting me? I'm 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 working on writing about uh, Han Oak, the uh, Korean pop up right now. Uh, after that, I'm not sure. So we'll see. So please. Uh, well, actually, I do have a list, but feel free to email me uh, uh, if you want me to drop by. Um, I'll probably not be using my real name uh, to make a reservation, but I will stop by and sit at the bar probably. So. Cool. Yeah. We're so glad you stopped by here. Thanks, Chris. At this bar, man. Thanks, Court. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx 
or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 